So I know that I said a couple days ago, right here on this very podcast, um, Sports Central, part of the Closing Tech Network, that I would probably not be doing an episode today. Obviously, plans have changed. Because I was not expecting this many trades. But then again, it's NBA trade deadline. I did say that this was basically the only time between now and June that teams are going to be able to trade. So before I dive into that, I want to kind of get this out of the way. I'm going to give you my very brief, very quick Super Bowl picks. I think in terms of who wins the game, I'm going to go with Chiefs. Barely. I do mean barely. I think it's going to come down to either a last-minute field goal or a last-minute touchdown or something along those lines. And obviously, if the Chiefs are winning, I'm going to give the MVP, or I think the MVP will be given to Patrick Mahomes. So, there is that. Let's dive in. So, we start with last night's trades. Everybody got started hot and heavy. You're going to notice a certain team, a certain, what is their record now? I keep forgetting I'm going to do this whole record watch. Well... The Detroit Pistons are now 7-43. and 43. Only two wins behind Washington for 14th place in the East. And only one win away from avoiding the all-time worst record in the NBA history. I have to think, unless there's a cataclysmic collapse, that they're going to do it. They're going to barely avoid history. And I mentioned Detroit because guess who's up first? The Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons traded Kevin Knox, the draft rights to Gabriel Procedo or Procida. And I apologize in advance for butchering any of these names. And a 2024 second-round pick, so a second-round pick in this upcoming draft, to the Utah Jazz for Simone Fantaccio. I'm not, I'm not saying it with the right Italian pronunciation. I know I am not, but whatever. I get why the Jazz made this trade. I get it. They want more draft picks, obviously. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're going to have to match offer sheets on a restricted free agent, which Fontecchio is going to be a restricted free agent come July. And the Jazz don't want to have to, you know, repeat the whole Paul Millsap debacle from years ago when Portland forced the Jazz to pay the king's ransom form so this is basically them saying we're not gonna keep you around buddy off you go bye bye and there's a very good chance detroit's not gonna keep them around either because again they're in full-on rebuild mode but you never know you never know with the pistons i mean fontecchio he's a good young player he's serviceable coming off the bench I think he's going to do just fine wherever he goes. As for Kevin Knox, I was vaguely interested in the idea that they might flip him for more draft picks. Obviously, that didn't happen, but whatever. Kevin Knox, you're only going to be around for four months anyway, so have fun. I suspect that he's probably not going to crack regular rotation so whatever in any event on to the next trade 
The Boston Celtics have traded Lamar Stevens and second round picks in both the year 2027 and 2030 to the Memphis Grizzlies for Xavier Tillman. Now, I am not familiar, at least not entirely familiar, with Xavier Tillman, but the name does ring a bell. I think he's going to be decent. He's going to, I mean, obviously Boston is only looking to make marginal improvements, particularly on the end of the bench. So this would probably constitute as a marginal improvement. Boston right now is the best team in the league, in my opinion. And it's going to take quite a bit to get someone to knock Boston off that pedestal which I'll get into that here in a minute. The Detroit Pistons are back. This time they have traded Monte Morris to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and a 2030 second round pick. So again, Detroit is maneuvering. They're trying to get you know, more draft picks, more, you know, cap space, trying to get, you know, in the position to really attack 2024's offseason with some gusto to try and rebuild and just get everything back to where it needs to be because clearly what they're doing isn't working. As for Minnesota, they're giving up a couple of, yeah, throwaway players. Monte Morris should provide some good, solid uh, bench depth. Minnesota's doing their best to try and make a run for uh, the Western Conference Finals. So this will be good for them. On to the next trade. Speaking of teams that are back, Utah's back. The Utah Jazz. Trade center Kelly Olenek. And Ochai Abaji, Abaji, Ochai Abaji, I, I know I butcher that name every single time. To the Toronto Raptors for Otto Porter Jr., Kira Lewis Jr., lots of juniors, and here's the key, a 2024 first round pick. Whichever is least favorable between Oklahoma City, the LA Clippers, the Houston Rockets, and the Utah Jazz. At the rate things are going, it's going to either be Oklahoma City or the LA Clippers. Now, Kelly Olenek. Let's talk. I have never been a fan of Kelly Olenek. Ever. I think he's a dirty player. I think he is unnecessarily rough for this era of NBA basketball. He's basically a white version of Draymond Green, only with a better jump shot. That's about the only positive thing I can say about Olenek. I think, however, he is going to provide, at least for a little while, I don't know for how long, some good veteran leadership for the Raptors. Right now, the Raptors are a good young team. They're scratching and clawing their way up the rankings, but they're not there yet. They're not even close to there yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they integrate both Abaji and Olenek. As for the Jazz, this is good, solid bench depth that they're getting between Porter and Lewis. But the key, the big key, is that first round pick. And I'll tell you why. When the Jazz made the trade years ago with Memphis to get Mike Conley, they ended up giving Memphis a conditional first round pick. That condition has been kicked down the road like a can over and over and over and over and now 
this year is it. Basically, if the Jazz don't finish in the top 10 on the draft rankings, they have to surrender that pick to Memphis. At the rate the Jazz have been playing lately, the rate the Jazz have been playing over the last month, they beat team good teams. Whatever you say about Doc Rivers, they've beaten good teams like Milwaukee, like Oklahoma City. They've beaten these teams with regularity, and it's very possible the Jazz can make the play-in. And if they make the play-in, you can kiss that draft pick goodbye. Unless they somehow, some way, get enough lottery balls to where one of those balls just happens to land in the top three. Which, that rarely ever happens for teams that are that low on the draft totem pole. So getting that first round pick from Toronto where, I mean, yeah, granted, it could potentially wind up being in the very late 20s, early 30s. But at this point, it doesn't even matter. Because... Danny Ainge is going to want a draft pick. Danny Ainge is draft pick thirsty. He wants his draft picks just like a thirsty incel wants naked pictures of his favorite actress. So that's a positive win for the Jazz in that regard. Plus it frees up space and uh, playing time for younger guys on the bench like a Taylor Hendricks. They could theoretically move John Collins to the center position, either as a starter or as a backup behind Walker Kessler, and then move Taylor Hendricks into the primary backup uh, power forward spot behind Laurie Markkinen, because there's no way you're benching Laurie Markkinen. I'm sorry. Especially for an unproven rookie like Taylor Hendricks, no. So moving on now to the next trade, there's a certain team that is going to be pairing a couple of times at least. The Philadelphia 76ers have traded Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, and three undisclosed second round picks to the Indiana Pacers. For Buddy Healed. Buddy fucking Healed is now with the Sixers. And I, for one, commend Philadelphia for making this move. I forget the guy's name. The guy that's there now, uh, he used to be in Houston. Um, the executive. I forget his name. Blech. But this is a brilliant move by Philadelphia. You're giving up three future second round picks and a couple of bench players, essentially, for a guy that could immediately, today, fit into that number two spot, fit into the, the starting lineup. And I'll tell you why here in a bit. Basically, you can fit him into the starting backcourt alongside Tyrese Maxey, and that will, for the time being, while Joel Embiid recovers from his injuries, that will allow Philadelphia to have that point production, you know, at least 60 to 70% taken care of. So they're not falling completely behind the rest of the pack in the East. Because right now, Philadelphia is number five. They were at number three at one point. Now they're at number five behind Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and New York. And Milwaukee is threatening to fall even further behind. By the way, they're now one and four under Doc Rivers. Yeah. So this is a brilliant move by Philadelphia. They not only guarantee they're not going to fall any further behind in the Eastern Conference standings, 
but now they have the ability once MB comes back to kind of maybe make a move and try and overtake a Cleveland or Milwaukee or New York. And this will also give them additional shooting power come playoff time, assuming he stays healthy. Speaking of the 76ers, they're not done yet. As my phone goes off, this is the second podcast in a row that I've forgotten to do this. So forgive me for one second while I do this. Speaking of the 76ers, they're not done yet. They have also traded Danwell House and a second round pick in this upcoming draft to guess who's back, the Detroit Pistons. In exchange for my cat. <laughs> anyway, uh, no. Philadelphia traded these things to Philadelphia for TBD. And usually when it's TBD, there's draft picks potentially in the works, cash considerations, that lovely thing that's tossed about like blunts at a Bob Marley concert. I don't have any thoughts about this trade because other than, you know, avoiding the luxury tax, there's really no clear definitive. Sorry. I was apologizing to the cat. Uh, there's no clear definitive idea as to why they would do this trade again, other than just to avoid the tax. So, you know, again, Philadelphia is making some good moves. We'll see, you know, how well that goes for them in the long run. And Detroit is just doing what Detroit can do given the circumstances. Moving on to different teams. The Oklahoma City Thunder have traded Davis Portens, I know I'm butchering that name, Trey Mann, Vasiliji Micic, I think I'm pronouncing it right, I'm not 100% sure, and what can only be described on ESPN.com as draft compensation, to the Charlotte Hornets for Gordon Hayward. Now, if this were five years ago, or if this was pre-lake snapping Gordon Hayward, I would call this a game changer. Like, if this were the Gordon Hayward of 2016, this would be a monumental ad for the Thunder. Having him right alongside guys like Chet Holmgren and Shai Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. But considering it is 2024, Gordon Hayward, he's going to be a good seventh or eighth option coming off the bench. I'm not dismissing him entirely, by the way. I'm just saying that there is a very good chance he's probably not going to be in the starting lineup. He's probably not even going to be the sixth or seventh man. First or second option coming off the bench. I I just don't see that happening. But it's a good, solid move. And it's a good, solid move, not just for this season as they're trying to make a good playoff run, but they're also looking to clear cap space. And Gordon Hayward is an unrestricted free agent come July. So that's, what, $20 million coming off the books? Something like that. I'm a little surprised Charlotte made the move, honestly, because I was under the impression that they're the ones that are trying to cut, get under salary cap space. I mean, that's the whole reason they traded for Kyle Lowry in the first place. But whatever. The Washington Wizards ended up making a move. They have traded 
Daniel Gafford to the Dallas Mavericks for Rashawn Holmes. And again, there's that lovely draft compensation. I don't know what to think about this one. Rashawn Holmes is not one of my favorite players. It's not that I have a visceral hatred for the guy like I do Kelly Olenek, but he's just meh for me. And I've never even heard of Daniel Gafford, to be honest with you. So this is a decent move, I guess, for Washington and for Dallas-ish, maybe. I don't know. I don't think much is going to come of it, but let's move on to the next thing. Detroit's back again. This time with a whopper. I know the term blockbuster trade tends to get thrown around a little bit, but I would probably consider this as close to a blockbuster trade as today got. The Detroit Pistons have traded Boyan Bogdanovich. You've heard me mention that name before. And Alec Burks. To the New York Knicks. For Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Quentin Grimes, Ryan Archidiacono, I know I'm butchering that name, and two future second round picks. This is huge. Not only is Detroit looking to get more under the cap and getting rid of a huge contract like Bogdanovich is definitely going to be a step in the right direction there. But here's where I'm curious. You're giving up a guy, a brilliant shooter in Evan Fournier. I've sung this guy's praises in the past numerous times. You're giving up Evan Fournier, who is a great shooter but is often injured, for another shooter who's often injured? Okay. And I get why New York is doing this. I get why they're trying desperately to get more big names in trade. And it's because they're still, even with everything that's been going on in the last couple of years, there's still not a really solid free agency destination. As I was having this conversation with a friend on Facebook yesterday, I can't recall other than Julius Randle and OG Ananobi any time that the New York Knicks have made a move that made them that much better. I just can't recall it. So for them to make this move, I think is pretty good on their part. It depends on how healthy Burks is. It depends on how healthy Bogdanovich is. But let's play best case scenario. Best case scenario. Bogdanovich could easily be a starting forward for the Knicks. Very easily. And he would provide great shooting and the ability to make defenses honest when they try to guard him, Randall, and Ananobi. As for Burks, best case scenario, 7th or 8th man. Very similar to Hayward. I'm sorry, that's just how it is. Old age fucking sucks. That's the that's the theme of this year's trade deadline. Is old age sucks. But moving on once again to the Toronto Raptors this time. The Toronto Raptors have traded Dennis Schrader. Speaking of things that seem to get passed around like a blunt at a Bob Marley concert, Dennis Schrader, can we talk about the colossal collapse? How's that for, uh, what's that word? Um, 
it's the thing that two words with the same first letter um i forget what it's called but yeah dennis schrader and thaddeus young traded from the toronto raptors to the brooklyn nets for spencer dinwiddie i love this move for toronto I love it because they get rid of Schrader because Schrader is nowhere near the player that he once was. And Dinwiddie is going to provide to be, at worst, a solid backup point guard. At best, he could be a good starter for that young Raptors team. And very much like Olenek, he's going to be a good, solid veteran presence that I think is going to help that team really get going as far as their progression is concerned. Now, I mentioned the collapse of Dennis Schrader. This is a guy three years ago that had an offer on the table from the Los Angeles Lakers. The fucking Lakers were willing to offer him a four-year deal worth over a hundred million dollars and he turned them down since then he has had one of the most amazing and by amazing i mean terrifying collapses i've ever seen in the nba he has gone from team to team to team to team to team and once again he's being moved the guy cannot catch a break. And he's only done it to himself. He's very difficult to work with, from what I understand. And he is not exactly lighting up stat sheets. So, you know, good luck in Brooklyn. You're going to need it. The Charlotte Hornets were not done. Charlotte has traded P.J. Washington to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this is going to blow your mind. P.J. Washington. Let me pull up the thing here real quick. P.J. Washington... Average 13.6 points per game. Now, in retrospect, that's pretty decent. But in the grand scheme of things, when you're a team like Dallas who's trying to compete in a very tough Western Conference, and you're dealing with sharks like Minnesota, like Oklahoma City, like both LA teams, like Sacramento, like Phoenix... You kind of want something a little bit more than 13.6 points per game. Especially from a guy who's probably going to wind up going to the bench. Here's what they gave up. For this P.J. Washington fella. Grant Williams. Okay. Seth Curry, not to be confused with his, with his brother, Steph Curry. And a 2027 first round pick. I see that, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. For Dallas. I don't know how good of a trade this is. Because... Here's my thought process. Dallas is going to need draft picks. Desperately. They're already, they've already given up enough draft picks in the Trey Young, Luka Doncic trade. They're going to need as many draft picks as they can just in case Luka Doncic walks. 
Now, normally, if you're giving up first-round picks and you're a team like Dallas, you're going to want someone that is going to help you compete today. I don't know if P.J. Washington is going to make them any better of a team than Grant Williams or Seth Curry. I don't like this trade for them. I really don't. But Philadelphia is back again. And I mentioned pairing Tyrese Maxey and Buddy Heald in the same starting backcourt. And here's why. The Philadelphia 76ers have traded Patrick Beverly. Now, you may be asking, who did they trade him to? Well, Take into consideration all the top teams in the East. Your Milwaukee's, your Boston's, your Philadelphia's, your Cleveland's, your New York's. Who's the one team in the Eastern Conference that right now is lacking defensively? If you guess the Milwaukee Bucks, you win a cookie. Here you go. The Milwaukee Bucks, in return, have given the Philadelphia 76ers a 2027 second round pick and Cameron Payne. If you were to look the term upgrade in the dictionary, this trade would be it for Milwaukee. Philadelphia only does this to try and get further under the luxury tax threshold. Milwaukee desperately needs defense in their backcourt. I'm sorry, Dame, you're not it. You're just not. Again, getting old sucks. But Beverly is going to be a good defensive force, assuming Doc Rivers knows how to coach him properly. Considering the job he's done so far, I'm not quite sure. But we'll see how that goes. The Indiana Pacers are back. They have traded Marcus Morris and a 2029 second round pick to the San Antonio Spurs for Doug McDermott. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I'm just not enamored with either of those guys. Doug McDermott is much like Kelly Olenek for me. I just have no time for him i just don't and marcus morris same thing just i'm i'm good without either of those guys thanks moving on the milwaukee bucks are back they have traded robin lopez there's a name i didn't think i would see today to the Sacramento Kings? Huh? And to make matters worse, Milwaukee only gets that lovely thing that I mentioned earlier, cash considerations. It's the year 2024. We're still handing out cash considerations as trade compensation. Well... I guess it's better than giving up a second round pick. But Sacramento stole one, in my opinion. They're, again, going back to that tough Western Conference. They're a good young team today that is competing today. And Robin Lopez, in my opinion, could be the Pau Gasol or the... Uh, Boris Jiao for the Sacramento Kings. He could be a good veteran presence coming off the bench that can help mold and coach up some of these younger big guys like DeMontis Sabonis and others. I think that's a good solid pickup for Sacramento. 
I have no idea what Milwaukee's doing. Whatever. Not my monkey, not my circus. The Philadelphia 76ers are back again. This time trading Jaden Springer to the Boston Celtics for a future second round pick. And you're going to see a little bit of a pattern where now we're going into the less important trades. So if I have no further thoughts, then okay, cool, whatever. Then I'm just going to move on to the next thing. The Boston Celtics, in the meantime, have also traded Delano Banton to the Portland Trailblazers for what is defined on ESPN as a heavily protected second round pick. It doesn't specify what year. It doesn't specify what those protections are. And there's no link to that particular trade. So cool, whatever. The Golden State Warriors got into it and no, they did not trade Clay Thompson or Chris Paul or Draymond Green. They did, however, trade Corey Joseph. Now you're probably asking yourself, who is Corey Joseph? And I say, exactly. He has been traded to the Indiana Pacers for a second round pick. Cool. And we get to the final trade of the day, the final trade of the NBA season until draft time is a three-team doozy involving the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns, and the Milwaukee, or not Milwaukee, sorry, Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies get Utah Watanabe and Chemezi Metu. I know I'm butchering both those names. The Brooklyn Nets get Jordan Goodwin, Keita Bates-Diop, and three future second round picks, two of them from, from Memphis. I almost called them Milwaukee again. The Phoenix Suns, and this is why it's a big one, get David Roddy and Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Royce O'Neal. Jazz fans are very familiar with that guy. He's a good, solid defensive player coming off the bench. I've always felt that he was asked to do too much in Utah. You know, he's a good, solid, solid serviceable bench player. I think he's going to do great for Phoenix. Obviously, He's going to be coming off the bench behind guys like Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You know, all those guys are going to really, you know, supersede him in terms of where he's going to fall in the pecking order. But this is a good, solid pickup for Phoenix. I think he's going to do great. And worst case scenario, if somebody goes down with an injury like a Kevin Durant, knock on wood, because I never want to see that happen again to that guy. I watched the torn Achilles injury live on TV as it happened. That's something I never want to see again. Similar to the Gordon Hayward injury. As much as I may not like either of those guys, I don't want to wish that kind of injury on them. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But worst case scenario, if it does, Phoenix now has a good guy that can come in and take up minutes, take up quality um, shots to help facilitate the offense and in terms of defense Royce is an upgrade definitely so that is NBA trade deadline 2024
Now, in terms of who I think got better, and I'm going to pull up the standings here. Here's who I think got better. I think the Knicks got better. I think also Milwaukee got better. Now, again, that's dependent on what they do with the coaching situation. I still think it was a huge mistake to hire Doc Rivers. But because of things that are going on, particularly with the All-Star game, I don't know if they're going to fire him before the All-Star game. I think they may wait until after, if they're going to do it at all. I think they should. Because I was not a fan of them firing Adrian Griffin in the first place. I was not a fan of them hiring Doc Rivers in the first place. So if you have to, if you desperately need to, I think now would be a good time to send, oh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Budenholzer, an apologetic fruit fruit assortment basket. Basically be like, dude, we're sorry we fired you. Have some fruit. Have some healthy fruit. Please come back and coach for us. We made a huge, terrible mistake. Or just hire some other bum. Whatever. It's Giannis's team anyway. But I think Philadelphia got immensely better. I think Indiana actually got worse. I don't think Indiana is going to make the playoffs. I mean, they might make the playoffs as in the play-in. Like they might be seven or eight seed. But I don't know if they're going to be any higher than that. Here's a team who I thought was surprisingly quiet. This trade deadline. Miami. Now, to be fair, their trade chip, their biggest trade chip was already dealt to Charlotte. But I still think they could have had a little bit of wiggle room if they really wanted to to go after someone like a Boyan Bogdanovich or a Draymond Green. You know, somebody that can help solidify that front court. So right now, that's the biggest weakness for, for Miami is their front court. Orlando was kind of same, you know, they basically stayed the same. Chicago got worse, but again, as I mentioned on the last episode, that was kind of out of their control. You know, Zach Levine going down with an injury kind of fucked everything up. Atlanta was quiet, but I don't think they got any worse or any better for it. The only guy that they were rumored to even be shopping around was DeJounte Murray. And once they heard the Lakers proposal, they basically just backed away from the table entirely and was just like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. Sorry. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Brooklyn, I think, got worse. Losing both Dinwiddie and Royce O'Neal. It seems to me like Brooklyn hasn't yet learned from their previous mistakes. Just a wild guess. I think Toronto got better. Granted, they're not going to do a whole lot. They might sneak into the play-in and take Chicago's or Atlanta's spot. But other than that, I don't see them doing much of anything. I think Charlotte got worse. But as I mentioned, they're not thinking about this year. They're thinking about, you know, what they're going to do for next year. They've already given up. So whatever. Washington kind of stayed neutral. I think they're probably going to wind up being either the worst or second worst team in the league when it's all said and done. You can't keep relying on a guy like Jordan Peele to be your number one scoring option and expect to win a lot of ball games. Especially considering he only scored a grand total of zero points the last outing. 
I think Detroit got worse, but again, very similar to Charlotte. I think they're thinking ahead. They're thinking next year as opposed to this year. I think Oklahoma City got better. And I think they got better because of Gordon Hayward. And again, I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, a gangbuster or, you know, scoring 30 points a game or anything like that. I think he's going to provide a good, solid veteran presence off the bench, at least for the next four months, and is going to help Oklahoma get to that next level, whatever that next level is, whether it be Western Conference Finals or just the second round, something along those lines. I think Minnesota basically stayed the same as they are now. Denver, same thing. But then again, Denver, Denver's got a good thing going. I don't know if Denver wants to rock the boat. They are the defending champs after all. I think the Clippers kind of stayed the same. But then again, they're kind of strapped for both draft picks and cap space. So there's not a whole lot that they can do at this point. They pretty much pushed all their chips into the center of the table when they traded for for James Harden. New Orleans, I think, kind of stayed the same, although I would have liked to have seen them at least try to trade Zion Williamson. I think Phoenix got better. I think Phoenix is going to start making some moves up the rankings. I think Sacramento got better. I think Dallas, maybe. I think they're about the same. The Lakers are about the same. There's some interesting shit going on in Los Angeles for the Lakers. They're unveiling the Kobe Bryant statue as I'm recording this right now. And I don't want to switch away from this bright screen to go to my Facebook feed, which has dark mode on it, because right now that's the only thing lighting up my face. As you can see, I kind of look like one of those talking heads in a Bohemian Rhapsody music video parody. I think Utah got better marginally. At the very least, uh, they've cleared enough room in the rotation for guys like Keontae George and uh, Taylor Hendricks. Keontae George, by the way, has been a revelation. I am loving that guy. I think Golden State got marginally better just because now they're going to focus a lot of their efforts on here and now as opposed to Oh, we're just going to trade everybody. Thank you. Bye. Houston stayed about the same, which is right now not looking too good. Memphis, depending on how this trade with Houston works out, could be better for it, could be worse for it. I don't know. We'll see. Portland got better just based on the fact that they got a guy that could, at the very worst, be a good solid uh, bench player on the deep side of the bench. And all they had to do was give up a heavily protected second round pick. So there you go. And San Antonio got marginally better. So... That's trade deadline 2024. I am looking forward to the buyout season because that's when I think the real action is going to get started. I think Chicago's probably going to buy out DeMar DeRozan. I definitely think Charlotte is going to buy out Kyle Lowry because that's the whole reason they did that trade to begin with. And Part of me is thinking that Gordon Hayward probably should not get too comfortable in Oklahoma. Just saying. 
But I want to hear your guys' thoughts or read your guys' thoughts on the trade deadline. Who do you think came out the ultimate winner? Do you think any of these moves are going to make any of these teams a threat to the Nuggets or the Celtics quest for an NBA championship? Do you think New York is finally getting on track? I'm skeptical, but they're at least trying. Do you think Milwaukee will do anything under Doc Rivers? Because I sure as hell don't. But let me read your guys' thoughts. Uh, You can leave a review on Spotify. I love reviews, constructive criticism, and rounds of applause, all of the above. Uh, Facebook, like, share, and comment. Helps with the algorithms. YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications. That way, once a new video drops, you will be one of the first to be alerted. And I want to thank everyone for listening, for watching, for downloading, for donating, for doing everything you can to help the podcast along. And I'm seeing numbers going up on YouTube especially. So thank you for all of that. And I will probably be back on Monday with my post-Super Bowl thoughts. Maybe. But before then, I will likely have a life life tip, life talk, life tip, whatever, um, podcast. I've got a special podcast in store for GameStream. No, I'm not bringing GameStream itself back. But there is huge gaming news that just dropped earlier today that I think people would be very interested in hearing about. So I'll be doing that sometime over the next couple days. And until then, until then, sorry, kind of going into my old drama class mode. Bet you didn't know I went to drum class. That would explain a few things. Remember to include your closing tags. And thank you.